Wagwan, everybody. Welcome to the Dis Afemi History Podcast, where we'll be speaking about history and as well family history and how history relates in terms of Caribbean people um, for the present as well as in the past and how in the past what that does and brings forth for what we are going through at present and what we can learn from our history, from our family, and take that moving forward. So I do hope you enjoy the podcast. And if you like it, please ensure to subscribe, like, and review. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. And before we start, I'll just have you introduce yourself to the audience. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure being on this podcast. Um, I'm Hilary Bamkunda. I'm a passionate educator, I'm a teacher, I'm a versatile poet, I'm also a writer. Um, currently, I'm the president of UNEOTA, Uganda National English Language Teachers Association. I also dub as the chairperson of Kibas Youth Development Association. Uh, this is a youth group tailored towards cultural entrepreneurship and uh, I'm the founding uh, president of the Resilient Futures Foundation, Uganda. Oh, thank you so much. Um, and, you know, we'll start now because we're talking about um, proverbs and the role that, um, you know, in terms of the, that you wrote about. So can you just share a little bit of that background as to what drew you to discuss this topic about African proverbs? Thank you. Uh, I think my paper that brings me here was the paper I did about the research on uh, the how African uh, proverbs or the thematic significance of uh, proverbs towards child upbringing uh, in our African society. How these proverbs help us uh, in bring out our children with norms, discipline, ABCD in our, in our continent or in our societies. Now, Proverbs are really, you know, they're, they're deeply rooted in cultural traditions. And so how do Proverbs like function as a reflection of values, beliefs, and cultural identity within African societies as highlighted in your paper? That's very much true. Uh, Proverbs portray our languages um, and they are depicted in our, I would call them, I don't want to say vernacular, but I would say the local language. Thus, our cultural identity. Um, a case in point is where I am in Uganda. Uh, Uganda has around 41 living languages, but altogether there are around 51 distinct languages with these 11 belonging to the minority groups. Now, in African tradition, of course, the proverbs are used for different purposes. That is, they're used in, uh, uh, as far as marriage is concerned, child upbringing, uh, peace, unity, respect, religion, and all these relate to the beliefs of a given community. For instance, in my community, um, a proverb, for instance, I will speak local language, hope you're fine with it. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, yeah, so... If someone says akatikin kwakachirikabisi or something like, uh, of course that would translate it like you bend the tree when it is still young, that when it is old, when you bend it, it will break. 
Now, something similar to if you're upbringing a child, it's better to impart in the values you want in this child while the child is still young. Similar to the English proverb of spare the rod and uh, spoil the child, where the, in, in, in Buganda they would say sulo mugo or yonono mwano, relating also to the child begins at home. So these proverbs relate to different cultural ceremonies and rituals. They even relate to our names, especially uh, like for me where I come from, the name will be depicted from, uh, from an event, from a happening, Unlike some African societies where names are depicted from their clans and, uh, uh, and totems, so it's easier to tell where someone comes or which clan someone comes from, from the name. But back to these proverbs, uh, that they are really uh, deeply rooted in our cultural tra uh, traditions and uh, they have huge uh, reflection of our values, of our beliefs and our cultural identity as Africans. Thank you. That's really great. And, you know, problems are also seen as, you know, a form of wisdom. And how do African proverbs contribute to the preservation and transmission of wisdom and knowledge across the generation? So preservation of, uh, of course, we normally look at proverbs as forms of wisdom. Like the English, those who attempt to uh, define proverbs will say they are wise sayings. So that means the if you're not wise, you would not understand the saying. However, uh, th these proverbs in Africa have very much uh, contributed to preservation and transmission of this wisdom and knowledge across different generations. And this has been maintained uh, from our language and uh, mostly because with all the modifications we are trying to bring, for instance, the African cinema or African film, of course, with across generations that has also improved, and uh, mostly for the African for the Afri cinema that has been in our local languages, we have tried to maintain these proverbs, and somehow they have helped us to maintain, um, the to to preserve, maintain our language and preserve our wisdom and knowledge. Uh, we have various African proverbs in documentaries, um, the novels for the for authors who have been writing novels uh, and short uh, short short plays, the skates, um, all these, especially those who have tried to write in local language, even those who have tried to write in foreign languages, but somehow have maintained the African literature trying to tell the story of Africans somehow these proverbs have managed to, 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 to get their way into their books. And in that, we have transmitted the wisdom and knowledge across all these generations. Because once they are in audiovisual, you're very sure that over the years, we shall have all these uh, proverbs now and then. More so for people in the Caribbean, people in uh, Europe and other continents who try to learn uh, African languages. Some have learned our proverbs through the books they are reading and movies they watch that are uh, short and made in Africa. So partly, that is language acquisition. It has come with our preservation of this wisdom, wisdom and knowledge across generations in print and in media. Yeah, that's quite uh, 
Yeah, that's quite interesting that it was, you know, through media, through print, that is still transmitting and still continuing. So with languages and dialects across Africa, could you discuss how proverbs are adopted or varied within the different uh, African languages while still retaining their cultural and moral essence? Actually, uh, that, uh, that's very quite fascinating. Uh, you know, um, like I said earlier that uh, Uganda, for instance, we have around 41 living languages, but of course, the languages that are spoken would be around 51. Now, this is a country of around 45 million people. And with all those dialects, you would wonder how these proverbs are adopted and varied within different African languages, uh, while we retain our cultural identity and moral essence. Because for instance, if uh, uh, we have, for instance, different tribes, different people speaking different languages, and that means different languages have their own proverbs, however much they are related. Now, translation, I would call it direct translation, um, help uh, has helped us in a way that as these proverbs are, are adopted across the different African languages, Transliteration helps us to retain the culture and the moral incense. Um, for instance, in African narration or oracha, uh, the oral literature part of it whereby you want to tell your story your own way from your own cultural identity. Now, you will have something, someone, I, I don't know how you do it that side, but here, mm -hmm. if, someone is, if someone is speaking, someone will say, the Caribbean say, I don't know your local language. I don't know if it's one language. Um, the English say, the Baganda say, the Banyankole say. Now, now, of course, after that, then it is followed by the transliteration. For instance, I would say, the Banyankole say, akatikin kwa kachirkabisi. A literary meaning that you bend the tree while it is still young. Now, even when I'm speaking to a different dialect, uh, I try, the, the, another person will try to tell me the same thing in his or her own language. And by that, I'm retaining my cultural identity and sense. But however, these proverbs are being adopted and we are learning across the different African languages. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it goes into the fact that you're just, you know, it's it's being integrated, right? So, yeah. um, you know, and it kind of goes into the next question with, you know, with proverbs used as a tool for communication and social interaction. So, and like, how do African societies use proverbs in everyday conversations and interactions as discussed in the paper? Now, like I had uh, cited in my paper, that universally man was braced with a variety of occasions that are required uh, that required singing, reciting, or chanting. This especially uh, so with the events when man celebrated the rites of uh, passages. I think that was cited by Finnegan 2007, who further observes that the various crucial points of human life also provide contexts for festivity, uh, that's the artistic performance. And uh, he cited occasions like initiations, weddings, funerals, and uh, of course, hunting, we have very many. And he goes ahead to say that the fabric of human life is interwoven with music and song. 
Now, um, over time, over years, we have, uh, of course, the, 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 we no longer sit around the fireplace to listen to our grandfathers and grandmothers tell us uh, stories of uh, once upon a time, 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 there lived a man, A, B, C, D, such that we can learn from their wisdom now. But we still have these proverbs with us now. The question would be, how have these proverbs been a tool of communication and social interaction? Now, we have inter uh, interwoven these uh, proverbs into songs, into uh, areas where we can perform and in this performance, we can get um, to learn uh, these proverbs. And of course, through dialogue, and of course, the weddings bring in the social interaction, uh, the speeches, um, and of course, basically, I, I think that's what I discussed in my mm -hmm. paper. Yeah, that with all these uh, happenings and events in African yeah. traditional society, we are meant to enter sip and eat on the wisdom of the proverbs from the songs from the uh oral performances okay okay not a problem so those two that uh examples that would be used so and then of course you know your paper talked about in terms of the educational aspect of proverbs so again you know with proverbs being used as a teaching tool for to teach morals and ethics and life skills to younger generation in African societies. Can you just give an example on that and speak to that for a bit? Yeah, perfect. Um, actually, uh, one of my uh, biggest uh, ideas in doing uh, this research was that I looked at the curriculum aspect to begin with, because um, Proverbs as an aspect of orature or oral literature is an element that exists in every African society. There is no African society without oral literature. Um, and thus it serves as a teaching and learning aid for everyone that is studying any language, basically, whether it's oral, uh, uh, whether it's local language or foreign languages, because all these languages have their partially they have their oral literature and uh, and for that proverbs aid other resources and they themselves become resources in learning and teaching environment more so they are used in relation to other topics to teach language and of course when it comes to the younger generation in africa uh proverbs has been uh foundational in teaching life skills ethics and moral lessons. This is because that the, the, our African proverbs are rich in uh, all spheres and dimensions of life, in that they tackle every thematic concern. They, they, are, theme, they, they are proverbs that, are speci uh, that have a speciality in equipping the young generation with discipline, with growing up, with respect, uh, how to respect people, with work, uh, you should be intentional towards work. For instance, in my language, we say atakora taria. And the Baganda would say atakori tarying. And of course, with the other biblical allusion of Paul that of course, in order to eat, you have to, to work. Now, you 
with all proverbs tailored towards all the themes that are quite helpful to uh to learn and get the long life skills uh moral and discipline skills uh i think that is partially the education aspect of the proverbs you know that it has kind of a co-curricular but it has helped in uh cementing its place in the curriculum of teaching language and uh helping the young generation acquire the moral lessons ethics and life skills for their betterment of their life towards the socioeconomic transformation of our society and remaining rooted to our african uh, norms culture and beliefs no thank you and and you know it still goes into i guess with Proverbs being oral, it's an oral tradition and it's still a, you know, it's a vital aspect of African culture. How do Proverbs contribute to the richness of this oral literature and storytelling in African societies and how have they evolved over time? Um, I can say that, uh, yes, oral tradition or oracha is uh, a vital aspect of African culture and somehow we can all agree that proverbs have contributed to the richness of oral literature and narration storytelling in African societies. However, we shall still agree to the same magnitude that this has evolved over time. In that we, uh, most of the ceremonies that we had uh, if it was weekly, now it's monthly or yearly. So it means there is a reduction of time in meeting for the narration. So, but we cannot take away the fact that these proverbs are still contributing. Uh, these proverbs have acted as a bridge in storytelling, that is to connect the dots together, uh, just like in novels. I would say we would not have written literature without oral literature. The yearning and the love of uh, remaining with what we love, um, uh, what we love dearly, that is all literature, uh, pushed most of us who are into writing novels, poetry and everything to write everything down such that when people can no longer speak, we can have our eyes to read. So uh, partially the evolving has been in uh, the number of written copies. I think um, there has been an increase of uh, written literature year in, year out, the numbers continue soaring, uh, which shows um, a movement towards from the oral to the written and the proverbs cannot be uh, taken out of question um, because the, these proverbs have helped all the authors, the playwrights in uh, writing novels, the narrative compositions. Uh, they have helped in creating scenarios in terms of answering the narrative. Someone begins with a proverb and then maybe um, one man's meat is another man's poison. I looked at it. Now someone starts from there to build uh, a kind of a narrative or a story that is important to what he or she wants to deliver. 
So I can say that the evolving has been there, and of course, with a with a modern uh, movement of uh, Afri cinema, uh, written literature in Africa, the proverbs have been key and continue being key in the times to come. Definitely. And I know that you kind of touched on this, but can you just share some insights of, of how our proverbs are used in various contexts, such as within ceremonies or rituals or traditional gatherings within African communities, as you mentioned in the paper? Yeah, uh, perfect. Um, we have very many ceremonies, rituals, and traditional gatherings in African communities. Uh, and these ceremonies, rituals, and traditional gatherings vary from one traditional society and community to another. Um, I would take an example of my own community. Yeah. Um, I would say I come from the traditional Ankore kingdom in Western Uganda. Um, Proverbs are mostly like uh you 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 it's it will be very difficult for you to listen to the traditional Ankole songs without listening without hearing one two or three um proverbs in in the songs so they are intertwined in our traditional songs these proverbs are intertwined in our oral speeches while at the traditional ceremonies the rituals the uh, and and the gatherings call it the family meetings. Then we have oral poetry. Uh, people are reciting poems. You automatically hear proverbs, the traditional proverbs uh, there and then. And we have the incantations. So you're likely to see these proverbs being intertwined. I would take an example of, uh, for instance, in Ankole, they have a, a song they sing during a wedding ceremony. And they are saying, agenda umana kwa uh, something like when kwe kurediwa, umana kwa so that when, uh, of course, the banana gets ripe, then it must be eaten. Something like when the, the girl grows up, uh, grows up to a marriageable age, then she should get married. Why not? Um, I, I would even relate it to uh, Walt Soyinka's um, The Lion. And the jewel. In that play, uh, at the end, as Sidi is getting married to Baroka, uh, while Lakunle is busy uh, chasing the wind, um, there is that song that is connected. You can see the intertwining of the song into the storyline. Uh, I think the song is Torani, Torani, something, something. I don't know what it means in the Nigerian. But you can see, even in the I Would Marry When I Want by Nguji, Wathiogo and uh, Nguji, you, you look at the intertwining of these songs into the narrative. And most of these songs and most of these proverbs are intertwined in to bring out uh, uh, a message in our rituals, in our ceremonies, and uh, traditional gatherings. Even the statement, I will marry when I want, is more proverbial. Yeah, thank you. Okay, no problem. And then, of course, Proverbs always, you know, poses a metaphoric and a symbolic meaning. How did you mention in your article to explain the significance of these metaphors in conveying a deeper cultural and societal message within African Proverbs? 
Yeah, oftentimes people normally take a challenge while defining what a proverb is. And in most cases, uh, people tend to simplify it and they say a proverb is a wise saying. And now, that is where this question comes in that if we are looking at uh, these proverbs often having that huge sense of metaphor or being metaphoric and symbolic in nature, uh, in my article um, and paper, I was looking at how these metaphors convey the deeper culture and certain messages. And uh, I was basically looking about uh, referring to the Ankole or the Banyankole. And like I've said um, previously, I would take uh, an instance uh, of uh, a proverb in Runyankore. Uh, that enyamonyo kwekura eriwa. Literally meaning still in the same language, that omuchkwakura ashwerwa. That when the banana is ripe, then you eat it. When the girl is old, she gets married. Now that was the African tradition. But instead of uh, people saying that when the girl is married, uh, when the girl is, sorry, when the girl is old, she gets married. They are saying when the banana is ripe, you eat it. So the, you won't find people around trying to speak um, uh, some things the way they are. And uh, I would give another instance that another, maybe another proverb that embeba ento nyekutuare nkuru ahamweziga. Literally meaning uh, that the young rat the older rat will take the young rats to where there is food. And this was in relation to uh, the young adults that the firstborn or the older people should be able to direct the young which steps or which direction to take. Now, um, in my research paper, I was looking at partly the significance of these metaphoric and symbolic meanings of these African proverbs uh, were largely uh, centered on euphemism uh, in that there are some words that the, our elders thought it would not be better to just speak them the way they are. So they were cautioned and uh, uh, put into uh, a wrap, wrapped together and given to us for our own uh, literary consumption. Oh, definitely, thank you. And, you know, as with the African diaspora is scattered across the globe, how do African proverbs maintain their relevance and influence across amount across the different diasporic communities and what impact do they have on maintaining their connections to African heritage and identity? So most of the African proverbs have their equivalent in another local language. And uh, this creates unity in diversity, save for a few attached to some ceremonies and rituals. Um, I haven't been to many African countries but I would tell that our, our origin, our migration stories, our, our history shows that we were partly one. 
and most of our languages uh, have relationship with the other. So even with the African proverbs, there is always an equivalent of another in another language, even with foreign languages. Um, and uh, this has kept uh, the African Africans in the diaspora a bit um, united together in that some of their languages, they are not the same, but they kind of have th that relationship with even some words being the same with the same meaning. Like I had said that even here in Uganda, uh, you would find a proverb, for instance, in Urinyankore, uh, and uh, literally in English, someone would say, you reap what you sow. But in Urinyankore, it would mean that what you plant when you're pregnant is what you harvest when you give birth. Now it's the same as you reap what you sow. The Baganda would say, Chosiga Chokungura. The same, you reap what you sow. And of course, worth noting are the events in which these proverbs were used back in Africa. Uh, the hunting, working, babysitting, playing, uh, farewell, journeys, travels, and all these prompted oral performance. Now, from the oral performance of oral literature is where the African, uh, the Africans in diaspora that are scattered around the globe have uh, tried to use the African proverbs and maintain the relevance and influence in that we have African feasts, Afro festivals, musical festivals, bringing Africans together. And uh, even the musicians that are headlining most of these festivals in the diaspora are from Africa and it will not stop someone from Morocco attending a, an Afro festival where a South African musician is performing because and with the performance and with the performance the oral performance of songs and plays and other uh, skits that we have tried to remain with a connection and as I conclude on this, we also have, of course, the novels, the, the people who have written uh, African literature. These novels have moved widely. You will find that the majority of the Africans in the diaspora have read the likes of things fall apart, um, no longer at ease, uh, darkness at noon. So the African literature keeps us together. And in all these books, the African proverbs are something to reckon with. So they keep us together. And so. that's maintaining the connection to the African, our African heritage and identity. Perfect. And then, you know, as we close um, this, this discussion is, what would you like to leave the audience in regards to Proverbs that you may have not have mentioned uh, during our discussion? I, I would say that our culture is our identity. It's our heritage. Our culture shows our values, our beliefs, and we cannot do away with our tradition because of the modern trends and whatever is happening everywhere in the world. However much, we cannot stop it. But remember that anyone who does not know where they are coming from will definitely not know where they are going. Uh, like the Banyankore would normally say that over Sijide at Vandinzide. That's a proverb to mean that uh, the, the person uh, who, has, who 
who almost people have left him would be like, ah, no, they are waiting for me. So the, 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 the traditions that are eroding our African culture that, are take, that is taking us away from our norms, uh, from uh, sticking to our uh, African literature, growing with our proverbs and other literature, they are staying firm in their traditions, in their beliefs, in their values. So it's high time to hold our cultural heritage flag high and we become proud of our uh, become proud of our culture, our heritage, um, our identity. Um, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate and, that. And maybe as parting shots, uh, this November, I think we shall be launching uh, uh, a docu-series uh, okay. connected to this uh, called Tuko Pamoja docu-series, uh, meaning we are one. Mm -hmm. That all tribes are one and all Africans, we belong to one heritage and one identity. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'll make sure that if uh, if you provide me the details, I'll put it in the show notes as well as your article that people can be able to read that. So thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was nice. Uh... Hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please make sure to like, follow, subscribe, and write a review for the episode wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you.